This is the show, Procrastination Pals. We talk about who's what, when's, why's, and how's. Two best friends with solid gold hearts. We record our thoughts, observations, and farts. I'll get around to the backing track later. Procrastination Pals. Welcome to Procrastination Pals. I'm Dan. And I'm Josh. This podcast is about what we do when we should be working. The show is not to give advice about how to deal with procrastination, but more something to do while you procrastinate and to let you know that other people are struggling to get things done as well. We procrastinate so much, we started a podcast instead of other things we should have been doing. So, Josh, how was your week? Not too bad, Dan. Thank you for asking. Uh, Pretty slow, mate. Uh, Not a lot's been going on. Obviously, again, still stuck at home. So, enjoying that. I've ruined my sleeping pattern again. I had that small patch where I was getting up at you know, eight thirty nine, feeling good, getting up, and I've me having worked nights usually, or being someone who's in that pattern of working nights, uh, I've sort of slipped back into eleven o'clock, eleven thirty wake ups, which is making me feel a bit shit. But uh, other than that, um, very boring things. Been exercising a bit, trying to stretch. You and I were both talking about meditation and yoga today, which has felt okay i don't know if i'm any good at it but sitting around doing nothing suits me uh and also uh, a little bit of cooking learned how to make sushi last week delicious so good I, like i love sushi what were your ingredients chicken or fish uh both, both. yeah and even got some salmon roe to make it pretty it's not that nice it's just <laughs> like really savory fish eggs i like the the popping when they pop like the, the it's more of a mouth tiny feel. eyeballs it's, it's yeah. like is what I imagine more of a mouthfeel thing for me more like I think I enjoy the crab eggs like that's what they put on like cheap sushi yeah. and I like the little popping from that But I'd be interested if it's much like caviar I don't know if I'll ever get to try it but mm. I just feel like just really savoury and as with a lot of high end food things just yuck a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not for me you know yeah. what not for me don't yeah. need it um yeah, so I have to tell you, this week was a real struggle for me, like just dealing with my own procrastination. Um, before the lockdown, I was working as in, in events, as an event rigger, uh, and I really enjoyed working on big shows and being with interesting people and doing interesting work, like a lot of rope work and climbing is uh, in, like physically intensive, but really enjoyable. Um, but now I'm getting the JobKeeper payment. The owner of my company uh, gets me and another guy to come in two days a week to his yard and consolidate his backyard well his industrial yard right sorry <laughs> just wanted to clear that up yeah all right guys just work on the edges today yeah well actually he tried to recruit me to build a retaining wall for him and did he really well he's like you ever built a oh he's like cockney cockney uh don't do the accent so, no, i will he's like you ever built a fucking retaining wall <laughs> I'm like, aggressive yeah I'm like, yeah, I have. I'm not good at it. Like, just shut it down. I don't want to go to his property out in the other side of town and build a retaining wall. Should have just went down and fucked up the job. He wouldn't ask you again. Yeah, well, that's what I've been trying to do, basically, is just drag my feet the entire time (laughs) there. Like, I don't want to be there. Basically, because he's 80 and super racist. I, I walked up to him. They were getting a coffee. He was talking to another guy I'm working with, just talking about uh, ships in the English Channel that the French are steering towards the English uh, shoreline. So that, right. so that I guess the French aren't ex- or, uh, trying to palm off the responsibility of handling these refugees and just saying the most hateful stuff I've ever heard in my life. And like looking at me and I I wasn't disagreeing with him, but I just wasn't agreeing with him. So he's, he looks at me and I'm just staring at him like, what do you want from me? Yep. 
and like I let it pass and he just kept going. Like, yeah, fuck this, I've got to get out. Well, you should say yes to the retaining wall job and rock up with an Asian mate. Job's done before it begins. Well, he's got He'll a send tie, you home. He's got a Thai wife, so he's eighty years old. He he, like, for all his terrible, terrible faults, he like owns the property that an orphanage is run in in Thailand. So okay, he's kind of got. It's weird. Like, if if I asked him for help, if so I'm in bring a black mate then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, basically, yeah, this guy's pretty ang- and all because he's. In events, all events have shut down. So all companies are kind of trying to get out of the industry. Mm-hmm. Also, like a company called PRG is shut down. They've put all their chain motors on the market, which is like 680 of them. And he's yeah. got like 30. Um, and he's trying to get rid of all his staging and stuff like that. And he's keeping a lot of what I consider to be garbage. Yeah. So for two days a week, I'm just moving, getting a forklift and moving garbage around the yard. I'm sure the orphans could use it. Yeah. Well, it's just all um, steel and aluminium and stuff that... He's, like if he takes it to the scrappers, it's not worth yeah. very much because steel's not worth very. Much. I don't. I'm not up with the economics of scrap Cash metal. Scrap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't make very much off it, so he wants to keep it all, and it's all garbage, and he's. It's just the worst, and there's a lot of rust, and I just hate getting rust on my hands. It's Fair like, enough. A, yeah, tetanus uh, is a thing, but you've been struggling with it regardless anyway. Well, the entire time I'm there, I'm thinking. I don't want to be doing this. Like why? And I had my 30th birthday when lockdown started. So mm-hmm. I missed out on having a party, but, and like, but it's a milestone. Like you turn 30 yeah. and you start thinking about your life and what kind of, what you want to work on and things like mm-hmm. that. And I just thinking, I don't want to be driving a forklift in an industrial yard. So I need to work on the things I want to work on inst- and not just take the easy road and take the, the easy money, which, is just working for this guy. Love that. So, yeah. I've, so, I've, have you been putting that off this week? A <laughs> <laughs> um, lot of video games, yeah, I right, must say. Yeah. Um, today, I actually, I've set a plan. I No video games until a certain point in the day. So, yeah. I wake up and get stuff done. And I'm seeming to stick to it. And like I've been looking up how to keep promises to yourself because mm-hmm. it's always... I'll do that later. Uh, yeah. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow, and then you come up, and you wake up, and you're like, eh, "I'm just going to watch movies all day because that's what I feel like." Easiest, like, easiest person to let down is yourself. Yeah, so it's just about being accountable to myself, and um, yeah, so that's what I've been struggling with and working on. Good on you, man. Yeah, um, and I guess we'll move on to this week's topic. Topic: what we, what else we were procrastinating with? Documentary. Documentaries, and one documentary specifically being Grizzly Man by Werner Herzog. Do you want to give us the the plot? Okay, to- well, very quickly. I, I, I do think this one sort of came to mind. It was one I saw uh, quite a while ago. Um, I think it's a 2006-ish, sort of around that area, um, but with Tiger King in the social conscious at the, at the, at the moment is um, sort of basically a very, uh, we'll, we'll call him uh, charismatic and kooky. Yep. individual uh an american guy from california heads out into the deep woods of um, alaska sort of, of northern america oh it is alaska yeah, it's, it's alaska. alaska um uh to follow his love of grizzly bears and he ends up spending i think it's 10 years 13 13 seasons i guess thir- 13, so, 13, seasons, summers, so 13, thir- summers. 13 years whilst uh documenting his experience most of that time spent alone with the bears um, he does develop some sort of relationship with the bears, obviously able to get a lot closer than anyone would be to a wild grizzly bear. 
um, which eventuates in him being eaten by one. So, uh, <laughs> time well spent. <laughs> I mean, we're laughing now, but despite the dark subject matter of this film... It's very grisly. <laughs> good, yes! good one, good pun. Thank you. Um, despite the dark subject matter, it is so funny as well. Just It's, it's ridiculous. There are some... It's like when you're getting told off by a teacher when you're a student and you know you shouldn't laugh, but it's something so funny about it. Can't help it. And this movie just has some of the funniest like actions and comments and and I, and I do believe this is a editing a Werner Herzog film, mm-hmm. um, who in himself is a uh, in 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 my opinion a, a borderline sociopathic author, where he is so far removed from reality and so droll and just monotone about everything but so intensely into the art of things again this is where we'd spoken about this before but where it differs from something like uh tiger king where it's so fucking absurd it's so ridiculous but there is tragedy and that's a horrible storyline really like one of the girls gets an arm bitten off yeah and within the next Five minutes, I'm laughing at one of the lines that someone's saying about someone having their arm fucking ripped off by a tiger. Yeah. Um, this film really treads that line where there is, it is odd, the the lead, Timothy Treadwell, is a, he's pretty insane. Um, yeah. Like very vain in himself and in his presence, has these ideas of himself of, about being um, the the samurai warrior. Like he, he, to protect to protect like he mentions himself on this spiritual journey through a lot of mm. that all of which is so out of touch with reality yeah. because just, it, just going back to the the vein part as well go. he dresses like a cartoon version of a 90s cool guy like bandana wraparound sunglasses yeah. like all black jackets and camo stuff. yeah camo and a lot of it like him he, he believes himself to be a a warrior yeah in, in, in a lot of ways yeah uh, but I do think it's also a bit of post Steve Irwin thing going on like he does have this thing of like wanting to get out there be loving and and enthusiastic okay, I, that. I didn't make that connection and he mentioned and one of his old schoolmates mentioned that he used to do an australian accent for a while and and, and claimed that he was from australia yeah looked up looked up uh details of a town yeah and then would recite them and had a bizarre accent apparently just because he wasn't australian and yeah. not very good at accents i imagine <laughs> no not at all but I think yeah. the moments that, for me, again, like the documentaries being something that we all use to sort of put off time, and uh, it's just again removal from yourself and from what you're actually doing. Um, but the way that Herzog goes about this, and the way he manipulates this reality, is so outlandish and absurd. Hmm. Um, two of my favorite moments uh, with it's an ex partner of Timothy who. Um, they dated for a while. They remained good oh, friends until his also, death. Also, let, let it be known that Timothy got eaten alongside his girlfriend who was with him at the time and spent the summer, at le- the past two summers with him at the time. Yeah. So, he this isn't even like his most recent partner. No, 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 no. But again, and look, he spends half of the year out totally isolated without any contact from the outside world. So, how close a friendship can be maintained with that life, I'm not sure. Yeah. Regardless... Um, there's a scene where a coroner brings out... Uh, so, what's left of Tim, I'm going to call him now, uh, is an arm and a little bit of head, I believe, is what they find. Mm. Um, but on his arm is a, is the watch that he used to wear. So, the coroners get the watch, take it back, 
and present it to uh, this woman. She looks like a Sandra to me. I can't remember her name, um, but presents it to Sandra. Is it Jewel? I'm no. just going to call her Sandra. I wrote it down, but yeah, she <laughs> Jewel Palovic. Palovac. Jewel Palovac. Jewel Palovac, right. So he takes this watch and presents it to Sandra. Um, <laughs> but instead of like giving it to her and just saying, look, this is a gift. This is a thing. This is one of Timothy's last items. Um, you can have it. They bring it out and it's in the coroner's bag and it's so like so obviously on the nose manipulated to make her emotional that there are scissors on the table that she's sitting at to give her this bag. Yeah. The coroner then proceeds to say, I'm sorry that it's um, sorry it's still in the coroner's bag. You shouldn't have to see that. Take the scissors that have been placed there by them, cut the bag, give her the watch, and then talk about how it's still running. But the idea that you could have cut that watch outside of the room, the it's, bag, cut yeah. it out of the bag and just given it to her and said, you know what I mean? Any, any scenes that weren't filmed by Timothy, because a lot of it's found footage or like the yeah. hundreds of hours that he recorded while he was out in his last uh, summer out there in the Alaskan wilderness. Any scene that Werner Herzog directed himself is weirdly stilted and especially the people who are who he's got to talk on the uh, mm-hmm. on Timothy's behalf. Seemingly almost staged. Yeah, they're, they're all staged and they're all weird people. Mm. Almost to the point where it, it almost seems like... I, I don't know if this is just... My obsession, my sorry, um, the way that I view some Americans of doing things a little over the top and dramatically. Like I imagine if you had this in Australia and you found similar people, um, the interviews would go very differently. Um, yeah. Like they, they seem like, some of them seem like paid actors. Like, and that line is so blurred for me. The coroner for me, I was like, is this just a kind of creepy, hollowed faced guy that they've sort of paid to be like look we're just going to say you're the coroner and look these are we had interviews with him he didn't fit the bill we didn't like the look so now we're going to get you to say he seems like a coroner to me like his his clientele is not very talkative and he doesn't get much face time with other people very true so he's uh he seems like a weird guy who doesn't know how to act and herzog has said this is what you need to say and this is how you need to say it right and because there's that scene where and he always keeps the camera on people Way too long. Way too long and they get uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, because they finish saying what they need to say and he just like pans out and like moves around them. Like it you can tell that they feel uncomfortable, but it looks like they're just psychotic. It's a, it's the, I think it's the funniest thing of when you see people on film like that when they're talking and they're normally animated and then they stop and the dead space just becomes awkward. You see them go from like normal phys- physical stance like mm. to flat hands by the sides just like oh this is how a human stands stand stand like a human like it goes barbie doll just like oh yeah okay nothing left to give yeah and i like for documentaries in particular as well there's this like kind of is it journalism is it entertainment mm. like that's what it that's what the line comes down to and I guess. very muddy ethics yeah so it's yeah muddy ethics and it's just i don't know whether like all the contrived nature is like is it educational? Because it feels like mm. while I'm watching it, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm getting educated on this topic of the Alaskan wilderness. But and a guy getting eaten. Yeah. It's so grim. There's not much in it. Like, look, from an educational standpoint, not much in it, mm. really. It's just, again, I think this is like Werner Herzog being that kind of guy that tries to force an art- 
art mm. onto any subject. Well, he talks really weirdly poetically. Like mm. I think it's probably partly because English isn't his first language, but like, there's that scene where, and also- I think he believes su- everything he's saying. Though. Super fun to talk like Werner Herzog. Oh, yeah. His rage is incandescent. Like just- Also one of my favorite Villain, sounds. villain uh, sounding. But Again, the, don't know if that's just because English isn't his first language, it, but- No, he's definitely a villain. Like he's a villain kind <laughs> of guy. Um, but there's that scene where Timothy's crying over a dead fox. Yeah. And he's and Tim, and he's saying this here is where we differ. Timothy thinks that the main way of the world is harmony. I believe it is chaos and murder. <laughs> and like, Calm down, Werner. Yeah, I know. So let the man grieve. Edgar Allan Poe over here. Just I love it when he's over that half half of a fox body though. Yeah, he's sitting there trying to have his moment with it, and then a fly gets on the fox's eye, and he's fuck out of here. Wait till I'm gone for that. Yeah. I love it. He's, <laughs> yeah. like, he's like, like he's he he, try, he tries the same thing. Tries to force this like mm. purity, like in the way that Werner probably tries to force the chaos of it. Mm. He's out there trying to force this 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 poetic idea of him being the eco warrior and you know mourning for these things and have but reality just keeps sneaking up on him. Mm. And I think like in the end, like the, the sneaks up on him in the biggest way. Like he's out there trying to be like, I can survive. I can get closer. I can do all this. Until one of the bears just hasn't eaten enough fucking snaps and sees a ham. Mm. Yeah, tears him to pieces. Uh, documentaries, 10 out of 10 would procrastinate again. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No doubt. This one in particular, I, I, again, I think going back to some older ones is better. Like a lot of, I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of my tether with some Netflix docos at the moment. Mm. I like the fact that you don't have to draw it into an eight part series and cramming yeah. these episode by episode, you know, when, when everyone's doing that just binge watching yeah it takes away a lot from what the subject is and i think that's why this grizzly man trumps something like tiger king tenfold or like i was while procrastinating i also looked up uh supersize me so because that's yeah. like what well, was one of my favorite documentaries had to watch it for high school then yeah uh like really interesting but even the contrived nature of that like morgan spurlock he's the documentarian but he's also the subject of the movie because mm-hmm. he does the diet himself but he, he claims that there's something like 5,000 calories in a day if you eat McDonald's three times a day or whatever. Right. Like, you'd probably have to... But there's it's been debunked saying that, in like, a long time. that like it's it's Im- almost impossible to reach 5,000 calories from three square meals at McDonald's unless you're forcing yourself to eat, like, overeat Gorge. a large amount. Yeah. Um, and also, in the movie, in the documentary, Supersize Me, his doctor, his general practitioner, says... Uh, I can't believe it. Like you're you're pickling your liver with salty, fatty foods, mm-hmm. and come out later that Morgan Spurlock had a drinking problem. Like he was, <laughs> <laughs> he was, well, he had liver damage from it. drinking. Yeah, so it's like, what a quack. Yeah, like I mean, f- physiologically, any body stuff is hard to um, measure because everyone is so different with food and things like that. But and, and particularly someone who is documenting themselves. Mm. Yeah. There's no control. Yeah. Well, there's control over the story that he wants to tell. Uh, no, definitely. Mc- but McDonald's like scientifically had. or medically, he's not in a control group. You can't yeah. lab rat somebody like that and be like, right, they're only going to eat this kind of stuff. Yeah. And even if someone's coming in for Tesla and out, they might be going back and pulling a Spurlock and just sinking a slab of beer. Yeah. So, yeah, like there's that, that contrived nature where it's it's trying to tell a story. And the thing is, I think like he's 
kind of justified in some of what he's saying like people eat this kind of food all the time because mm-hmm. really it has no nutritional value i just think his heart was in the right place yeah even think, if his liver wasn't yeah i think he's making the right points in that you can't eat this shit day in day out and not expect to have any health repercussions but by trying to get his message across he's you know made some errors in judgment in presenting that information and and trying to show the public the evils of mcdonald's like it's just a company that sells shitty food yeah i don't know documentarians are strange people yeah i guess we'll move on to tiger king as well because that's something we've both procrastinated with recently yeah um more of how the show is but like it's i'm fascinated with tiger king the fact that they interview i can't remember his name but the old guy with the messed up teeth who's always smoking and he was documenting first of all Matter. Yeah. yeah, like the the, the guy with the hat. Yeah, documenting the J.K. Simmons guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, live action movie J.K. Simmons for sure. Yeah, but his yeah um, run in with Tiger King, Joe Exotic, and how he's lost all his his legacy and stuff like that, and and the owning of the show and like how he came to head with Joe, and um, he's almost the most honest person in it because mm-hmm. he was the documentarian that the Tiger King documentarian got to interview. How shitty do you think he was? Sitting there, this was my fucking idea. I had put the work in for this. Did you see the the follow-up episode where Joel McHale hosted it? No. Way more interesting. Is well, it? Not, well, not way more interesting, but like gives a little bit more of an insight. Like These people aren't edited and filtered in the documentary oh, okay. way. So it's like he's interviewing them and they t- um, he t- interviews that guy who's now living in Norway with his partner. So he's he was actually quite happy. Moving he's like up yeah. in the world. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, I'm actually quite quite happy with this situation. So like oh, like that guy was my favorite because he just flat out said Cut what he thought. Cut through the shit, yeah. for sure. And, but then there's also, oh, what was it? Jeff, um, the 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 dud businessman who screws everyone over yeah yeah they, ben, bandana hat yeah yeah they interview him as well and i can kind of see why he was able to manipulate people so much because as i'm watching it i'm like oh like maybe i believe this guy but, charming but, ladies man wasn't he huh yeah but like yeah where's all the heart like just the, gross dude the gross. guy i look at like you think you're so cool but you you are the worst way person. past it we can all see how old you are yeah i think that's the biggest thing is like underneath all that leather and all those bandanas. Just a sad little man, isn't he? Yeah, it? you're just like 60 years old. We get Gross. it. Gross. But he's got like a 30-year-old wife and... Yeah, he's a fucking sleaze, yeah, dude. And like, how do you reckon dude. he did that? You nearly fell for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, he gets all these people through doing what he's doing. Yeah. He didn't need meth to do it either, did he? No. He's just, yeah, just a charismatic guy, I guess. Ref- and refusing to grow up. And mm. just like has that out-of-touch belief that he's still relevant i suppose i don't know but and, and having to prove himself like it's such a childish idea that he's so intent on like his self-worth is through just fucking young girls mm. and having flashy shit yeah and his granddad owning the largest live animal circus whatever it was like he's, his granddad had something like that and he mm. still calls that up and like that's cool that's it's interesting but he has these such immature ideas of 
what is going to make him important or, yeah. or memorable or, or valid. And and also a complete disregard for anyone else. So he, totally. Everyone who worked with him said it like he was the worst person to work with. Like I'm putting in all the money and effort mm. and he sweet talked me into doing that. And now he's not reciprocating, not putting in any of his own money. None of his skin's on the line and he's screwing me over. It like, was all incredibly shallow. Yeah. So just a very charismatic guy who got away with it. And so I think the, yeah, the interview section at the end kind of solidified that for me mm. i wouldn't want to actually be in that guy's presence because i'd be like oh jeff you oh, <laughs> you rapscallion you, you rascal oh, you oh i feel like i was going that way borderline Ever- statutory rapist you <laughs> get out of here evidently um, yeah, yeah but it was good and look and that's the thing again i think because it was such a long form and there's so much content like, mm. There's so much to go with. Every character in there is fascinating to 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 us living in normality. Yeah. Like in on every level. Like I think I, I I got to a point where I was just overwhelmed by the ridiculousness of the whole thing. As though like having like this gay redneck um, polyamorous meth head <laughs> guy from yeah. Oklahoma that owns over a hundred exotic animals. exotic animals and tigers that's not enough mm. and then the fucking murder plot and then all the other characters there was one moment where a character rolls up it's in some sort of like convertible fuckmobile it's like the pussy wagon kind of a vibe and there's a skeleton riding shotgun with this dude that rocks up it's a, it's there for like eight seconds just this dude rolling up didn't blink an eye <laughs> I didn't even it took me a second I was like yeah cool and then just wait I had to rewind and look again I was like what the fuck is this who was this dude yeah and it just absurd level like I I just couldn't see the asylum for the trees Mm. too much (laughs) fucking crazy yeah I guess you kind of have to be in that world it seems like everyone who owns exotic animals like Carol Baskin I feel like screw this yeah, but not not as drastically as the documentary presents. Like, oh, oh no, no, no. I watched a couple of videos in her defense where people were saying like, she may have wanted to, but she definitely didn't have the means. And like all mm. the all the stuff that they presented in the documentary is like, here's all the suspicious circumstances. It can all kind of be be explained. Like her, the husband that died, he did have shaky dealings in was it Costa Rica or yeah, Peru or something like that. Like that. Uh, he was a pilot. And he was so bad that they revoked his license, and he was and he went off in a fog, and he flew anyway. Yeah, Yeah, look, I don't even, I don't even like really have a judgment. I don't think she did it. It's just Mm. too many flower crowns. Yeah, for me, that's where my judgment of her stops. Yeah, and and too too airy, like fucking just open vacant eyes, and I think voice is always up here, and it's probably from trauma. Jesus, so I, can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't judge on that too much, but I don't like it. I think that that persona overlays a ruthless business attitude because, mm-hmm. like, she's got a like her own sanctuary. Like, I think her intentions are far better than anyone else's because she's actually going through with her mission. But she also has like a whole bunch of money, um, but only has volunteers. Very at her legally park. minded. Yeah, and but only has volunteers at her park. Like, she's got a whole. Um, harem of yeah. volunteers like the she possibly could be paying them but well I think this is where like her similarities to Joe would be the same like again they all have this whatever it is to get them to the top like mm. and Joe's like he's kind of appealing to the the Vegas 
Much Vegas like- crowd of like old guys, motorbikes, hot chicks, tigers and in, in, in you know, like wild animals and like that's cool. Hers is like really um flower crowned female environmentalists mm. and i think we love animals so much how gorgeous and cute and like that like that is the sort of separation but of the same goal and much like the documentarians they're trying to impose their worldview on everybody on everybody yeah like um she's got that uh online web show where she uh, what'd you say hello all you cool cats and kittens and oh, God. and joe has his own web show where he's like carol baskin's yeah, a bitch yeah <laughs> Not as not as charming a tagline. But. Yeah, and like the the other things that like were left out of the show, because you can't. Joe is really an unsympathetic character, but the the show paints yeah. him as one for the for the first nine episodes, whatever how many episodes it was, and then the last two, it's like, oh no, he's like he's in prison for a good reason. Yeah, but even those flashbacks of him when he was young, I mean, like, oh god, this guy just broke at some point. Where you know he did like I believe, and again, you look at what went through with his. Like him, him being homosexual and coming out to his dad and his dad being like, don't, you, you have to shake my hand right now and say, you're not going to come to my funeral. And like he struggled through that, became an addict, had all of these things. And just like, he was just a broken dude. Mm. Like in, in so many ways. And I think that's with all of them. Like I, I think because they're so extreme, we forget the human element to this, that these are all just fucking could, you know, couldn't be all of us, but could be anyone really. Like, yeah. like in the right circumstances, the same negative impacts then who's to say you know i wouldn't do the same shit also super racist and they left all that stuff out which really? is our joe is yeah right so like the yeah. they made him more sympathetic that way by like excluding any time he was overtly racist yeah but like the it's it's unsurprising considering his location like if you said where is it south carolina or north carolina no, it's oklahoma oklahoma if you said uh Tell, what do you think a typical person from Oklahoma who runs their own farm, their own exotic farm, yeah. is like? I would racist would be at the top of the list. I mean, look at the motherfucker. Mm. Really, <laughs> bleach blonde mullet, and and I think it, probably because he was gay, mm. that was like his sympathetic line as well. Yeah, you know what I mean. With the, it, with the people around him, oh for sure, yeah. oh, and, and viewers, because because it sort of it takes away from him just being. Oh, I'm talking about the racism being. Sympathy, like that's how he sympathizes with p- other people around him, and then homosexuality, like he's the outcast, is how yeah, sure. the audience because he, he is in a minority of his own rather than mm. just being out and out redneck. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, fucking wild, very contrived. Yeah, I guess we've come to the end of the episode on procrastinating with documentaries. Um, I'm going to keep doing it because documentaries are really fun and exciting to watch. I'm going to go back and watch Super Size Me. Uh, yeah, good one. Um, uh, yeah, that's the... We're going to work towards working. <laughs> working towards working. Yeah. I'm Dan. I'm jo- What? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I'm Dan. I'm Josh. All right, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.